Hello, I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center. Welcome to Dialogue on Teaching, a Silhouette Interview. The Silhouette Conversations are sparked from a list of standardized questions. We have the good fortune to hear firsthand from teaching exemplars about their teaching and teaching life. Today, our Silhouette guest is Dr. Willie James Jennings. Dr. Jennings is Associate Professor of Systematic Theology and Africana Studies at Yale Divinity School. Welcome, Willie James, to the conversation. Thank you so much for being here. It is my joy and my pleasure to have this time with you, Director Westfield. So let's get started. Question number one. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be, at first, a meteorologist. And my um, classmates all laughed at me, I think primarily because they didn't know what a meteorologist was, but I had heard the word on TV and I realized it was the weatherman. And what I loved about the weatherman is that he always came on first and he set the stage for the day. And I thought, yeah, I would like to be a weatherman. I would like to be a meteorologist. Were you interested in weather or just television? Actually, I was interested in weather, but I just enjoyed weather. I wasn't really interested in the science of weather. I was interested in the experience of being outside, but that's wonderful, right? That's such a child answer. That's so wonderful. Absolutely. I want to be a meteorologist. Okay, all right. Um, who was proud of you when you became a teacher? You know, my um, my mother was very proud when she found out that I was going to be a teacher. In fact, you know, she wondered whether I was going to be a preacher or a teacher. And then I was, of course, moving toward ordination. But I told her that. I would get paid before by being a teacher, which she was very happy about because she was a little worried about that preaching thing. Worried because of the finances or beyond the finances? Uh, about the finances and the kind of person I might become in, in uh, searching for the finances. So mm -hmm. she didn't want me to become one of those, as she says, one of those jack leg preachers taking people's money. So when she heard I was going to be a teacher, she saw, okay. saw that as a position of honor. That's a, for folk who don't know what a jack leg preacher is. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> it'll pop up. I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, who has influenced your teaching for the better? I think there have been um, two people. One was um, my mentor in college, the, the uh, Dr. Richard Mao. And what I loved about Richard Mao's teaching is that he was so unorthodox. He, mm. at, I went to Calvin College, now Calvin University, and, and most of my professors were very, very proper behind the, the podium, uh, very, you know, very uh, measured in what they said. Richard Mao would come into the classroom and he would sit up on top of the desk, literally sit on the desk, uh, rub his beard, and just start talking. And so uh, he was an incredible influence. While I was in college, there was another professor who was also an incredible influence. His name was Ronald Wells. He was a history professor. And Ronald Wells, when he would come into the classroom, uh, then he would have no notes. He would have nothing. Mm -hmm. And he would simply, for 50 minutes, uh, have us spellbound. He would just be giving these profile. He was a storyteller. And mm -hmm. I think, in fact, that's what I loved about both of them. They were exquisite storytellers. And so what Ronald Wells showed me was that if you're going to be a teacher, a good teacher, mm -hmm. you have to be a storyteller. Mm -hmm. and, and, and absolutely right. I know that uh, is true for me. I also know that's true for you, right? That's uh, yeah. that is how you approach your teaching in your classroom. Yeah. Um, what has surprised you about teaching or the teaching life? 
What has surprised me is the depth of the emotional currents that flow through the classroom. Mm -hmm. I was not prepared for that uh, when I started teaching, but you realize that there, there's, especially if you're a teacher who wants to move toward freedom in your classroom, that the depths of what people feel while they think is absolutely um, astounding and marvelous to watch. Mm-hmm. And the challenge always was how do I how do I move in those currents without being overwhelmed or without trying to stop them? And so that that has always been for me one of the most beautiful things about teaching that you are you are inside that braiding that constant braiding of the thinking and the feeling. Well, and you have captured some of those experiences in your poetry too, right? Because Sometimes the experiences cannot be captured in prose, right? Sometimes poetry is the only thing. Poetry or music or some sort of more artistic form is the only thing that can capture those kinds of teaching experiences. I think that's exactly right. And I think for every teacher, if we reflect on the life of the classroom, I think we have to turn to poetry because only in the in the spaces and the silences that poetry allows can you really give voice to what it's like to be in the midst of learning in the midst of expression, in the midst of honesty and vulnerability, and of course, discovery. Mm-hmm. And love, right? There's a passion that happens. Oh my goodness. Uh, that that the, the love comes, I think for every teacher, there's a point at which you realize that you are doing this because you love it. I mean, the old saying, which we all know that, you know, you, you, you would uh, teach for free you 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 get paid for grading. There is so much truth to that. <laughs> See, I used to say I teach for free. That I get paid for the committee meetings and the faculty meetings. <laughs> what is a favorite nickname by which you are called by a loving person? Willie James is my um, is the name that people who love me care for me call me. Uh, that grows out of my, of course, my mother naming me, but it all grows out of the deep Southern tradition where when people call you your first name and your second name together, uh, they are they are calling you home. They're calling mm-hmm. you to a place of safety. And so mm-hmm. people who love me, they call me Willie James. Yes, sir, Willie James. But they have to say it right. You know, some <laughs> Willie James. No, it's Willie James. Willie James, it's true, it's true. The breath has to be right. You have to get the breath Exactly, right. exactly. What profession other than teaching would you like to attempt now? Oh, I, I want to be a professional jazz musician. That's what I want to do after I finish this thing. Uh, though I will never finish this thing. So I will. I have my horns in the corner and mm-hmm. I sneak a few notes when I get a chance. But mm-hmm. if, if, I, if I had the opportunity, that's what I would be doing. I would be in some, in some wonderful um, nightclub just blown away. So, and people who wonder, what is that leather case he travels with? That's his horn, right? The brother travels with a horn. Brother travels with his own horn. I, 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 play, I play meditatively. I, I blow through it just in order to let the sounds speak to me. All my life, jazz has spoken to me. And all my life, uh, instruments. I, I, I began as a trombonist. And then I, but I always wanted to be a tenor saxophone player. So I play tenor and soprano now. And they just speak, they just speak to my soul and they allow my soul to speak. Do you enjoy writing in longhand? If so, what is your preference for ink pen or writing utensil? I use I use an ink pen that um, 
every the ink pens I prefer have to have a smooth and a constant flow so that I can just and and oftentimes my writing is only legible to me, but that's okay, it's just for me. <laughs> that's right, that's right. My I, notes, I, my secrets. Right. I carry I carry um two journals with me all the time. One is really my journal for my you know my my devotions, my thoughts, my prayers. My one other journal is you know my ideas that I want to then later on turn into essays and poems. So I carry both of those with me all the time. And writing in writing in longhand in writing both of those journals. Writing in What's your superpower? My superpower is my laughter. Say you know, more. I I believe <clears throat> that there is truth in the saying that those who know how to laugh in the face of the absurd and in the face of threat and danger are people who will survive. And so I have learned to find the funny where others don't see it. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, <clears throat> that is my superpower. There is something about the life of the absurd that mm-hmm. um, that if if we do not laugh, will cause so many tears and so much destruction that we do have to have superpowers like laughter. Or... And what's so great about laughter is that it helps you see something that is absurd so mm-hmm. that you don't use your energy trying to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for, for Black folks in the Western world, Black folks of the diaspora, we all have to be able at every moment to see something that is simply absurd so that we don't fall into the trap of trying to make sense of it, mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to try to find a logic behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just absurd. Mm-hmm. And then you have to laugh at it mm-hmm. and, and laugh at the absurdity. Mm-hmm. And of course, the laughter doesn't mean you're not taking it seriously. It means no. that you're just choosing not to let it draw you into the search for its meaning. <laughs> And knowing that absurd is a thing, right? You're not trying, you're not, it's not a temporary placeholder. It will continue to be absurd, right? <laughs> That's exactly it's, right. It's, That's exactly right. All of its days. It will all, be absurd. Just absurd. It is just, that's all it is. Um, what's your favorite curse word? Uh, you know, um, m- m- well, if I say it, my favorite curse, curse curse word is damn, but if I listen to other people, my favorite curse word is motherfucker. That's my really favorite. And I love the way Samuel L. Jackson says it in his movies. He says that better than anybody else in the world. I mean, he reminds me of every every brother and sister I ever heard say it, but when he says it, it's just, it is absolutely hilarious. And it feels like he finds ways to say it no matter what character he's playing too. And I'm like, well, how did that character get to that? My, my favorite one is in the, um, in this, in the two movies he's done about the bodyguard where he's the, he's the, the hitman's bodyguard. And the first one, he has this line where he said, the, the, it's toward the end of the movie and the guy is supposed to be getting him to the courtroom so he can, he can defend himself. And, um, he pulls up his car to this guy and he says, TikTok, motherfucker. <laughs> it is the funniest line. <laughs> now, do you do, back back to back to the dam? Do you do the Flor- the Florence from um Good Times with the dam, dam, dam? Do you do that? That's no, no, I, I do the I do the um uh Nina Nina Simone dam. Like, damn, Mrs. <laughs> Yeah, Mississippi. <laughs> it's, it's it's a little bit like some of the characters in Spike Lee's movie. Damn, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's that sound, right? It's more out of out of than anything right. else. Like, yeah, I know that sound. <laughs> I I make that sound. <laughs> Spike Lee, a Spike Lee speakers always do that so beautifully. Damn. <laughs> Spike does that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How have you survived certain violences in your teaching? What I have to do is I have to um sing my way out of them you know, or listen to good music. So when I've when I've come out of the classroom, even back when I was in the doctoral program, when I've come out and I know I've just been I've just been brutalized, I will have to play music and let the music bring me back. A bring cleansing, back. right? A cleansing and a return. Wow. But um I, I have I've had those experiences. I remember my first year teaching, I, I would open my class with prayer. Mm -hmm. And uh I had a, this is my, one of my first teaching assistants. She was a, a doctoral student at the time. Um, and, but she had um, come from a, another institution uh, up in the Northeast that she'll go nameless. Uh, and so one, one class period, it was very early in the semester. I said, okay, well, I'm going to start a class with prayer. And then she decided out of protest because she didn't believe in starting class with prayer. She got up right before I started to pray and walked out in front of all the students. And she's my teaching assistant. And I thought, boy, <laughs> my first year teaching, like, what in the world? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but from the very beginning, what I've done is after class and sometimes before class and sometimes during class, I would have music that would keep me on the ground, keep me grounded in love. Vincent Harding would do the same thing. He started every class with some form of freedom music, and he would say to perfume the air with freedom, that which we aspire. Oh, that's a beautiful line. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good old Vincent Harding. What healings have you witnessed or received in your classroom teaching? I have, I have often both experienced and seen of that moment when students come to a new realization, a new enlightenment mm -hmm. of their own life. And they will say, you know, I, I never saw that. I've been in it, but I never saw it. And they would say to me, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And that for me, when they see that, and sometimes what follows that are tears, but it's, they're tears of relief. And mm -hmm. so I've, I've felt this vice on me, but I didn't know that it was there and I didn't know how to get it out. And now I not only see it, but I can take it off. And that, that for me has always been a, an incredibly redemptive moment. So uh, that aha moment is oftentimes healing, redemptive, yeah. um, you know, tra transporting, right? Re-edifying. Re re when they can um, see themselves, when they can see themselves in a new light mm -hmm. and sometimes see the things that they are struggling with in a new light, mm -hmm. a new light that allows them um, to see a way out mm -hmm. or to see, to transform it into something more than just the suffering mm -hmm. or the fear. Mm -hmm. Or the absurdity. Yes. <laughs> what have you enjoyed most about the teaching life? I love, I love the hours. <laughs> yeah the rhythm right the rhythm the rhythm i love it and i i love yeah. the i love having a life shaped around semesters and um the beginning and the end and the beginning again and the summers i love that about the teaching life 
And I, you know, and I've also been someone who loves the the rituals at the start and at the end. Mm-hmm. I love the opening opening convocation mm-hmm. uh, when I when I gather with my colleagues and all the administrative colleagues, and we are all in robes and we we start the year off and we speak to the students, and then at the end of the year, the the hugs and the kisses of those who were saying goodbye to, and those who are so happy to say goodbye to. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's right. But That's right. I tell you, the 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 it, it hit me hard. In recent in recent years, I went from one institution to another institution, and when I came to my second institution, I um I remember at the very start of the year, I put my robe on, um, put my stole on, and then I came on downstairs to prepare to uh, process with my colleagues. And I realized as I looked around the room these were not the same people I had processed with for my entire career. So it was a completely new group of people. And I had a, I had this strange moment of sadness and joy at the same time. Mm-hmm. The people who I had started each academic year with were no longer here. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I, I called a couple of them and said, where were you? I'm looking for you today. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they were uh-huh. not, they were not at that institution. Uh-huh. But, I, but at the same time, I had this joy, like, okay, these are going to be people I now start the year with and in the year with and um, there's something absolutely beautiful about the rhythms as you said the rhythms and the beautiful repetition of the teaching life and I love that that's what I miss most about being a faculty person having moved to administration I miss the rhythms I miss the rhythms last question when you are old 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 and have been teaching for a long 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 time like not yet but Soon, you know, down the road. Down the road. Down the road. road, What miracles will you have performed? I will have performed at least two. I will have been a joyful Black man living in America. And that is a rare, rare thing. And I will be a living, joyful Black man. (laughs) That's a rare, rare thing. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that I will have created a fellowship of memory of students spanning decades who can tell woolly stories. And for me, that's always the miracle. When you, when you, um, you know, especially when a colleague retires or they pass on, and then you bring their students back, and they say, "You remember when? You remember when? You remember how? You remember that?" And that, to me, is a miracle because you have people who have no other earthly connection to one another other than the memories of Willie. <laughs> and I love that. I love those. My grandmother would say about your first uh, miracle that you, you will be clothed and in your right mind. Mm-hmm. Right, that from from that tradition, from that that kind of poetry, um, and 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 to have the memory of walked with your students, connected with your students, um, in this liberative teaching <laughs> party, right, is beautiful, right. So thank you, absolutely. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this silhouette. This has been marvelous, Willie James Jennings. Thank you so much. You are more than welcome, Director Westfield, and it is an honor, as always, to be in your presence. To our listeners, the Wabash Center website is the place to look 
Find information on our website about our cohort groups, workshops, colloquies, roundtables, and meetings on teaching and the teaching life. On our website, look for information about our educational resources, like our blogs, syllabus collection, journal on teaching, as well as the archive for all of our podcasts. And also on our website is information about our grants program. A special thanks to sound engineer, Dr. Paul Myrie, podcast producer, Rachel Mills. The music which frames this silhouette podcast is the original composition of Paul Myrie. Wabash Center for more than 28 years is exclusively funded by Lilly Endowment Incorporated. And we are out. How was that, Paul? 